From the DMZ to the NATO front, this is CRN. to the Dave Kirshner Lightning Round Podcast. I am your host, DuJour, Dave Kirshner. <laughs> it is, uh, today is the preparedness episodes, the midweek show. Uh, for those that are new to the podcast, I used to do um, uh, kind of the, the Biden jackassery minute and preparedness all in one show, and those shows were running rather long, uh, making the downloads, uh, making the download file sizes um, <clears throat> a little too unwieldy. <clears throat> so I broke the show up. Uh, makes it easier for me, makes it easier for you, um, and I can keep them to <clears throat> relatively short uh, episodes. I shoot for 30 minutes, but sometimes I go over. But, um, as I stated in the in uh, episodes 83 and 84, I'm back from my summer hiatus, and um, I took three pages of notes of things that occurred during the summer that I would have spoken about during the show had I not been on my hiatus. Uh, I'm now officially an empty nester, and uh, I got one kid that's 5,000 miles away, another kid that's about 800 miles away. So, uh, nobody's just showing up. <laughs> oh well anyway it is episode 85 it's the midweek show the preparedness show we are in week 84 of the 46 quadrennial hunger games uh i i over the course of the summer in, in addition to keeping tabs on current events uh i also um did a, a bunch of research i ferreted around found other uh, points of view, other articles, things dealing with preparedness. So I've got two of them for you today. And uh, the first one is an article titled EMP Prevention Plan, Why Our Government Has Done Nothing. This was written by Michael Major and was published on askaprepper.com on August 16th. And the second article is uh, brace for impact. Inflation is about to explode again. That was on Ask a Prepper uh, website. They're fairly short articles, but um, I'm going to read them off to you here in a little bit um, and kind of provide my my color commentary, Dave's takes, if you will. <laughs> All right. So uh, the first article is EMP prevention plan. Uh, so it says, amongst prepper and survival, survivalist communities, the prospect of an electromagnetic pulse or EMP or coronal mass ejection, CME, is guaranteed to strike fear and stimulate debate. 
<clears throat> the problem with these events is that there is so much uncertainty regarding the severity of the effects, and it seems that the federal government is unable to, or unwilling to take serious measures to harden critical infrastructure against EMP or CME. Ironically, um, in part three of my book series, I deal with an EMP, and I get into the physics of it. Um, so if you want to read about that, go buy part three of the book series. <laughs> Um, it, it, it lays out how the three stages of an EMP work. Um, in a nutshell, stage one uh, is the explosion and, and it's an aerial burst high in the atmosphere. And uh, basically it starts, it starts breaking things down. And then we get into the, the grid itself and then you know, it pretty much fries everything in its path and then start, or it, it, it breaks down all of the protective barriers, I should say. And then uh, the final stage is it comes through and, and, uh, and fries everything. But I gave a more, a, a more detailed description of how that process works in, uh, in part three. Uh, he's got the next section here is titled um, Executive Order. So... He's, he writes, on March 29th, 2019, the president signed Executive Order 13865, which aims to harden the country's infrastructure against the effects of an EMP or CME. The general scope of the order is that various government agencies will figure out the impact of a CME or EMP attack, identify the vulnerable critical infrastructure, and devise a plan to harden this infrastructure against attack. As of the writing of this article, three years have passed, and it seems that not a lot has been done to protect the grid. Um, when we start talking about critical infrastructure, uh, we're talking about um, pretty much the grid. Uh, it could be uh, your hydroelectric dams. It could be your uh, nuclear power plants. It could be your substations, it could be your transformer on the pole outside by your house. Um, on my website, in the useful resources section, you can get your hands on a PDF copy of the critical infrastructures report, as well as the executive summary. So I would definitely take a look at that. That will help you understand what is not protected, what is being protected, what we know about EMPs and how we think an EMP or a coronal mass ejection, a CME, how those would impact our lives. All right, and so you can go to the website, you can get the book. Both of those will help explain EMPs and coronal mass ejections uh, fairly well. So you'll have a good, solid knowledge base. Um, the next section he titled, Why is it taking so long? He writes, The simple fact of the matter is this. It is far less expensive to protect the grid now than to replace the grid after an attack. The highest cost estimate that I found for hardening the grid against an EMP or CME is about $50 billion. Uh, we've sent and spent more money than that on useless pet projects for the left, like the Green New Deal, like hiring and doubling the size of the IRS. 
This writer claims that they could protect the grid for $50 billion. How much are we sending to Ukraine? Come on. It's not like we aren't afraid to spend money, but that's a different topic for a different show. Um, other estimates that I've seen suggest the cost could be as low as $1 billion. For a point of comparison, the current price of an aircraft carrier is a little over $13 billion. Currently, the United States has 11 active aircraft carriers and is building more. No one has ever, no one was, no one was ever going to win an election on a campaign centering on hardening the electrical grid from attack by the sun or EMPs. That's true. They would slap a tinfoil hat on that guy and write him off. And the press would have a field day. Uh, what was that guy's name? He was running against Barry Obama. Um, and he was out there and he was giving a campaign speech and the crowd was fired up and he was fired up and he was like, yeah! And the press lampooned that guy, which I, he, I thought he was a better candidate than uh, the community activist who somehow weaseled his way onto the Senate and gave one good speech at the DNC convention and they thought, Let's put that guy in charge of our country, not once, but twice. That's how we got Barry Obama. There you go. When there's only so much money to go around, it is difficult to convince your constituents to purchase equipment for the electrical grid when, uh, when another critical infrastructure is falling apart. Upgrading transformers looks good on paper, but what people really want is the potholes on their street to be fixed, decent health care, cheap gas, healthy food, and a future for their children. Even when it makes sound financial and tactical sense to invest in preparing for an EMP or CME, far too many politicians will refuse to expend the political capital to see the necessary upgrades funded and implemented. That's true. The person who comes in and proposes this, nobody, uh, they're, they're all about political survival. Politics as a profession was never intended by our founders. This is something that we have created as a society and people have realized, oh, I can make a living as a politician when in fact, that's not what you were supposed to be doing. You should have been making a living before you made it to both one of the other houses of Congress. And then you should have done your duty six years or 12 years as a senator if you did two terms or two years, four years, six years, eight years, if you're going to be in the House of Representatives. But the expectation was that you should go home and not pitch a tent and camp out on the Capitol grounds and do it for a lifetime. But that's what we've got. That's why we need term limits. One guy's, one guy's opinion. Oh, man. So I finished it. Yep, I finished that page. Uh, nuclear weapons have been around since World War II, and the concept of an EMP has been known and studied for almost as long. Uh, actually, historically speaking, that's how they discovered an EMP. They were doing test blasts after World War II out in the Pacific. And they popped one of these things off and blew it up in the atmosphere just to see what would happen. Because they were... They were trying to expand their knowledge base. They're saying, well, what if I did this? And what if I did that? They pop one of these things off. They blew it up in the atmosphere. And lo and behold, it fried all of our satellites. 
and it totally shook up the 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 the, <laughs> the Pacific Hawaiian state of Hawaii. So, um, you know, they sometimes they find out about these things by accident. <sighs> he moves on. So why is it then that the United States government has only taken the threat seriously in the past few years? Even though the current actions that the United States government is taking are decades too late, it is not hard to understand why they are taking some measures to begin the process of hardening the grid now. In the past few decades, the concept of an EMP or, or CME being a tangible threat has found its way into popular culture through movies and TV shows which have served to educate the public about the danger. I would also add books. Case in point, me, and like two dozen other authors that are in the post-apocalyptic uh, dystopian genre. Uh, while the information delivered was dramatized and not entirely accurate, mine is, I am confident that the, this recent education of the general public has resulted in increased pressure on the government to take action. There are also emerging threats that may also be spurring the politicians to start taking action. North Korea has been a problem for a long time, but until recently its threat was limited to the peninsula it occupies. That is, until they joined the nuclear club and managed to successfully launch missiles that hold the potential to reach the continental United States. We all remember that, and we all remember the press going crazy because Trump was going to talk to the little guy over there in North Korea, and they were shooting missiles off, and he said, you shoot one of those things off again, I will level your country. And guess what? He didn't do it again. There's something to be said for projecting strength, which is something this administration does not do. The only thing it's projecting is bedpans and wheelchairs. <sighs> yeah. While it is unlikely that they would nuke a city, but they have, but they could detonate a nuclear weapon in the upper atmosphere, causing a high-altitude EMP, which could take down large portions of the electrical grid, which is what the EMP is. It's an atmospheric blast. How an EMP will affect your state. Terrorists could acquire smaller devices, which are engineered to generate an EMP, which they could use to take out the power grid of a major city. All they would need is a device and a small airplane. A small EMP delivered to the right location could shut off the power to massive areas of the continent. Would you believe I wrote about that too? <laughs> That's in part two of the book series. <laughs> what can I say? Uh, the decades of research since the first atomic test have also led to the development of EMP as a weapon. There is little doubt that the development of EMP weapons, which the United States has undertaken, has also served to expose the strategic vulnerability of the current grid infrastructure. Along with the development of an offensive EMP weapon comes the development of countermeasures and early warning systems to defend against the strike of by unfriendly nations. A lot of books, um, they, uh, they show, uh, or, or they don't show, what they write about is basically a cargo container. So you take one of these containers that's coming out of Iran, coming out of China, uh, made stops at some unfriendly country like, oh, I don't know, North Korea. And, and what I picture is they've taken a cargo container or two and they stacked them vertically. <clears throat> 
and then they surrounded them with the rest of the cargo containers so that they're concealed. But inside two stacked cargo containers or one cargo container is a missile. So all they got to do is get, I don't know, 20, 50, 100 miles from shore, open the doors, pop that sucker off. We're going back to, uh, you know, pre-industrial revolution. People will die. But, you know, hey, that's just me being creative, thinking outside the box. Uh, if the United States can weaponize an EMP, it is inevitable that most other nuclear nations will do the same. There is nothing like an arms race to stimulate government action. Final thoughts. And he says, it is true that efforts should have been made decades ago to harden the grid against EMP and CME and that the government has made little progress in protecting its citizens against the threat. It is also true that the wheels of government policy and action grind painfully slow and a robust and protected grid may only be seen well after most of us are in the ground. This is why we all need to take matters into our own hands and do everything we can to prepare for the grid when the grid fails because your elected officials are definitely in no hurry to help their constituents. So, what did we learn? Not much. That reads like an editorial. And uh, luckily I was there to save the day <laughs> and throw in some, some definite uh, knowledge building knowledge. So basically books two and book three and the uh, additional resources or useful resources section on my website, you can get the critical infrastructures report and its executive summary. Uh, there are lots of charts and graphs and images in there that explain how the grid works, how things are tied together. Um, so that's definitely worthwhile. Definitely take the extra step and go, go read up about that. Another thing that you can do is a Faraday cage. Um, I created a very large Faraday cage, almost like a walk-in cooler at a restaurant for my characters, uh, for them to store their various uh, comms gear, their ham radios, things of that nature, things that had sensitive electronic parts. So I, I basically created a room in, in my character's barn and turned it into a Faraday cage. So, um, you know, you can always do that too. And now we pause for some shameless self-promotion. Want to know more about what makes me tick? Then go to my website at davidjkirshner.com. There, you can read about my latest adventures on the blog, discover one of the many hundreds of books and websites I recommend. You can even review the blog and podcast archive to see if I've discussed that topic that you've been looking for. Find links to listen to interviews that I've done on other shows, like the two interviews with John Jeffers here on the Contra Radio Network, or the ones I did on popular shows like In the Rabbit Hole, The Prepper Podcast, The Prepared Homestead, and Survival Punk. You can also download my research white papers for basic topics like orchards and rainwater harvesting and many more. And you can get your hands on that elusive Critical National Infrastructures Report. Everybody needs to read that. Want more? You got it! You can also find the latest episode of the podcast, find spot pricing on precious metals, and discover more recipes that weren't in my Just a Small Gathering book. Or, perhaps you just want advice, you want to ask a question or make a suggestion, 
then go to the contact page and drop me a line. Or you just want to read about one of my favorite topics, which is me. If you want to do that, then go to the About page and see what factors and events help shape me. Best of all, everything on the DavidJKirshner.com website is free, so go check it out. Now, back to the show. Uh, this next one uh, directly impacts us because it deals with inflation. And, and when you have these ridiculous spikes in inflation like we're having, uh, it, it impacts your ability to prepare. Because preparing, yes, preparing is uh, a knowledge base. It's a mindset. Um, and it'll help you problem solve uh, issues and situations if there's, say, an EMP, or the rule of law breaks down, or um, you have uh, food shortages, which we're likely going to start seeing because a lot of crops didn't get planted, and we have, you know, the, you know, processing plants and things of that nature are burning to the ground, um, and you know, you get the war in Ukraine where a lot of the wheat comes from, and so it goes on and on and on. So expanding your knowledge base will help you problem solve. But part of that is also uh, purchasing power. And if you're in a group of like-minded people and you can combine your resources, you can make your dollar go farther. You can buy stuff in bulk. Um, you can buy it by the case slot, whatever it is. Um, if you have people and you're working in concert, you can make your dollar go farther. The problem is... Inflation is putting a lid on how far your dollar can go. And so I brought this article uh, up for consideration in today's show. And it kind of, uh, it outlines some interesting things. So the title of it is Brace for Impact, Inflation is About to Explode. And I did not note who the author was, but... I will give them credit. It came from the askaprepper.com website. Um, and I printed it on August 4th, but that doesn't tell me when it was actually published. Anyway, the author says, The USA has a few problems, but the one on everyone's mind right now is inflation. Rising prices mean our income buys less and our savings are losing value. Families that used to have disposable income to save or buy luxuries are now struggling to pay for essentials like housing, rent, or gas. I would say that first sentence needs to be edited um, because um, preppers and preparedness-minded and self-sufficiency families, self-sufficient families, that used to have disposable income to buy more preps, i.e. food, seeds, tools, equipment, etc., um, are now struggling to pay for those items because every dollar now has to go toward your rent, your mortgage, your taxes, your food, your gas. And when you're done with those things, there's not much left over. In June, U.S. inflation, inflation reached 9.1%, the highest rate since 1983. It's fallen back slightly since then, 
thanks to a dip in gas prices, which Joe Biden had nothing to do with, but damn sure trying to take credit for. But it's almost certain to climb again, and it could go a lot higher. Why is inflation surging? Well, the government is spending money hand over fist, and they're printing money 24-7, 365. Those two things make inflation. Producers don't make it. Suppliers don't make it. Consumers don't make it. The only place inflation can originate is with government. And when government spends money it doesn't have, deficit spending, and they're printing money they don't have, it's not backed by anything tangible because we're no longer on the gold system, inflation goes up. They spend it, they make it, they create inflation. There you go. Why is inflation surging? Economists are arguing about exactly why inflation is so high right now, but most agree that several factors are combined to push prices through the roof. All right. Supply chain issues. A global supply chain crisis started developing last year in the aftermath of the COVID-19 pandemic that affected the whole world. And I've said before, why did we have it? To get rid of one guy who didn't want to go along with the globalist regime. At the height of the pandemic, many, fact many factories were producing much less than normal or had even shut down completely. This created shortages of many goods, although the shortage didn't become obvious at first because with tens of millions of people temporarily out of work, demand for the many items fell. Now demand is back, but until all the factories are running normally again, there aren't enough goods for everyone who wants to buy them. So the supply chain is eh, it's really two things. One... They shut down a planet to get rid of one guy. I've said it a million times. I'll keep saying it until I'm blue in the face. But then you have the Fauci factor. Fauci and the CDC decided the best way to combat COVID-19, which had a, what, a 98.7% survivability rate? It had a higher survivability rate than the common flu. But by golly, we're going to put everybody in masks. We're going to separate them all by six feet. We're going to have hand sanitizing stations everywhere. And then we're going to push out a vaccine and then, oh, that didn't work. Okay, you need another shot of the vaccine. Oh, that didn't work. Okay, well, you need a booster. Oh, that didn't last very long. Okay, you need another booster. Meanwhile, because of all of the COVID restrictions, they sent people home. These guys... Men and women working in factories, blue-collar, middle-class America, they sent them home because people got COVID instead of just hiring other people or, I don't know, dialing it down just a tad but not shutting down completely and then ramping back up. But no, they, they idled whole factories because of Fauci and the CDC, the Fauci factor. That's what this is talking about. <sighs> Sorry, I went off on a little tangent there. One of the most basic rules of economics is the law of supply and demand. This says that if more people want to buy an item, demand, then there are items available, supply, the price will rise until supply and demand are equal. So you get 
you price it to the point where people that don't have enough money or 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 are more risk averse, they're not going to spend that money. But if you raise the price from something from ten dollars to twenty dollars and twenty dollars to fifty dollars, you cleaned out all the little guys, and then only the big ones can can buy that stuff. People that have maybe a higher income, they're in a different tax bracket. That's what you get. The principle is simple. However, many people are willing to pay $10 for a product. Slightly fewer are willing to pay $11 for it. At the same time, slightly more are willing to pay $9. In a free market economy, prices adjust to match supply and demand. The problem is that shortages push prices up, causing inflation. Agree to disagree. Since the end of the pandemic, unemployment in the USA has fallen to an historic low. Just 3.6%. That means more people are working than ever before, and that pushes demand up. All right. I've already said how inflation is caused, and it's caused by the government, not by... Well, this might have a small impact on it, but the bulk of inflation is caused by government spending and government printing of money. The reason we have such historic low unemployment and what is causing economists to not really fully grasp what is going on and how we can have 9% plus inflation with 3.6% unemployment is simple. In my mind, it's a simple calculus. Because of the Fauci factor and the other factors that are built around these globalists, um, employers just simply hired fewer people. If all of the jobs that were being advertised during the Trump administration suddenly came back and were available and they're saying, hey, look, we need people, what they're not accounting for is the number of businesses that went out of business. It's not that there's only 3.6% unemployment. It's that there's 3.6% unemployment based on the employers that are left. And the jobs that are available based off of the population in the United States. So whenever you see, oh, unemployment is record lows. Mm, take that with a grain of salt because it's not, it's not accounting for all of the jobs that were lost when businesses were shuttered. That's my point. Uh, let's see. The next section is titled Low Interest Rates. It might not feel like it if you have a mortgage, but since 2008 financial crisis, it's been very cheap to borrow money. Low interest rates make sense when you're trying to stimulate an economic recovery after a crisis. The problem is that once the crisis is over, low interest rates overheat the economy and that causes inflation. When interest is low, when interest is low, people and governments tend to borrow money to spend on things they don't really need. When people do that, the result is increased demand and then inflation. Well, when governments do it more, money gets pumped into the economy, demand goes up, and again we get inflation. The Federal Reserve has finally recognized the interest rates have been too low for too long and has started pushing them up again. But that's going to be painful for anyone with debt, which is most of us. 
Higher mortgage and credit card repayments will leave us less money to buy things, which should reduce demand and bring inflation down. But falling disposable income will also increase calls for wage rises, and that can push inflation back up again. Energy prices. Uh, the most, most dramatic price rises have been for energy. No kidding. You should look at your gas bill, your electric bill, your water bill. Whew! Oil and natural gas are leading the charge, but coal prices are rising too. Energy prices rise. Energy price rises are very bad news for inflation because more expensive energy puts up the price of almost everything else. More expensive coal, oil, and gas means more expensive electricity because a lot of electricity is generated by burning fuel. Anything that needs coal, oil, or gas to manufacture, and that's a lot of things, becomes more expensive. Anything you buy in a store also becomes more expensive because the cost of shipping it from the factory to the store rises, and so does the cost of heating, cooling, and lighting the store. The most painful impact for most of us is the extra cost of heating, lighting, and air conditioning in our homes. The bad news is that while inflation is already at dangerous levels, it looks like it could get a lot higher. So, what's coming? Many analysts are predicting that inflation will soon peak, then start to fall. However, there are some real dangers ahead. The big one is the EU's energy policy. The EU, what a cluster. The European bloc plans to ban imports of Russian oil by the end of the year. That will reduce Russia's exports and the amount of oil on the global market, significantly at the same time as the EU starts looking for new suppliers to replace Russian oil. Guess what? It can't be the United States given this administration. So where is it going to come from? Other hostile states like, I don't know, Venezuela. I think I said Colombia in the last episode when I was talking about uh, socialist hellholes in the third world in Central America. And when I said Colombia, I was thinking Venezuela. So slight correction there. I don't know why I just thought about that. I knew I had to make a note about it. And I, so I told you. There you go. Um, oil prices are set to rise sharply. Right now, a barrel of crude, a barrel of Brent crude is selling for $107. But JP Morgan are predicting it could skyrocket to $380 a barrel. If you think gas prices are bad now, wait and see what they're like when oil is nearly four times the current price. We've already looked at all the reasons high oil prices push up inflation. The EU ban could blow up the whole economy. If oil goes to $380 a barrel, the price of gasoline could easily double and the increase in transport costs would drive inflation through the roof. It's already running at over twice economics per, economics predictions for the year, which ran from 1.69% to 4.3%. It could easily double again. If that happens, it could trigger an economic apocalypse after a certain point, inflation can start to be start to feed on itself. Higher prices make demands for higher wages irresistible. Higher prices make demands for higher wages irresistible. And higher wages increase prop production. Transport and retail costs pushing prices even higher. Usually the cycle can only ends when the economy tips into recession or a full-blown economic crash. Unless the Biden administration can suddenly find a miracle cure for the growing problem, things are going to get a lot worse before they get better. So, I 
I'm not saying what the author wrote is incorrect. I'm saying he did not, or they, she, they, them, he, her, she, they, he, him. Pick a pronoun! They did not account for where the majority of inflation comes from, and that is from the government. When you shut down whole sectors of an economy, that doesn't help. When a country invades another country, a food crisis is going to ensue because of what that country grows, namely wheat. The European Union did exactly what Donald J. Trump predicted, which was become super-reliant on Russian oil. They have no energy independence in Europe. They rely on oil coming in from other countries through pipelines. Germany, for example, is now looking to spin up and start construction on nuclear reactors to push themselves to a more energy independent standing or footing. All of these things, there's oil in just about every one of these pieces of, 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 of product that's being manufactured. Anything that's plastic pretty much has oil in it. Anything that's coming from overseas, you got to pay for the, for the fuel to get the ship here. You got to pay for the, the oil and crap that's going into the product that's being put on the ship. Then you got to pay for all of the fuel that's going into the 18-wheeler to get it across country or going into the train. Um, you know, and they touched on the, you know, the stores have to pay energy costs for heating, cooling, refrigeration, freezers, etc. So yeah, all of these things. Everything that was outlined in the article, at face value, okay, fine, true. But in comparison to government spending and government printing of money, it's like 80-20. 20% of inflation is being driven by some of the things in that article. The other 80% is all government driven. That's the show, folks. Uh, so be sure to go check out... Um, oh, speaking of inflation, uh, I did... I, I, as I was reading the article, I was like, oh, tell them to go read James Wesley Rawls' book, The Patriots. Because in the opening pages of that book, uh, he explains about inflation and supercharged uh, economies and how inflation can cripple them. Uh, and he points to Zimbabwe and the, and the Weimar, Weimar Republic, uh, uh, in Germany. So um, that's another good resource that explains it all. Yes, it's fiction. It's a fiction book, but the, the, the economics behind his premise for a societal collapse are sound and they're in the Patriots, uh, in the opening chapters of the Patriots. Uh, if you want to learn more about EMPs and portable EMPs, by all means, check out parts two and three of my book series and go to my website into the uh, useful resources section. There's a PDF, there's two PDF files. One's the critical infrastructures report and the other one is its executive summary. All right, so that's the show. Uh, that concludes episode 85 of the Dave Kirshner Lightning Round Podcast. Thank you for joining and I will talk to you this weekend 
where we go over um, some more jackassery. So yeah, that should be fun. Uh, I've got all of this I printed for just jackassery. Uh, this is the stuff that's left that I printed for um, the preparedness show. And I probably have, you know, two dozen more emails that I haven't gone through and, and vetted, uh, so to speak. Uh, so I got plenty of material for plenty of shows. Uh, I'm going to be working on getting uh, some interviews booked, uh, which I'm actually I am working on getting some interviews booked. And uh, part five of my book series is now available in audio. I have a five-part book series. It's available in electronic format. It's available in print format. It's available in audio format. All right, folks. Uh, we'll talk to you on Saturday at the, uh, the Jack Assery Show. So be good. Stay safe. Stay out of trouble. Keep your head on a swivel. I'm out. Happy Hunger Games. And... May the odds be ever in your favor.